The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Good morning, Bromley Town Church. It's Pastor William. Today we continue our discussion about the church. And I want to focus in on Paul's preaching to the city of Philippi and how he used that to illustrate the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that we belong to. First of all, we find out in Acts chapter 16, verse 12, that Paul, through divine uh, events, was directed to this area called Macedonia. In Philippi, we read in Acts 16, was a Roman colony. So this is an outpost of Roman culture. This is far away from Rome, but they've selected this city to be a place where they want to expand the kingdom. And it's a walled city, as you can see by the slide. You can imagine Paul approaching this daunting city, this city up on a hill, partially. When the Romans took over it, they so wanted it to be Roman that they demolished the streets, relayed them perfectly straight, in rows, perfect squares, so that it would be Roman. And if you were what they call on the outside, barbarian, the people living on the outside, as soon as you walked into this Roman colony, Roman rule prevailed. Roman culture prevailed. Roman food was served. Everything was Roman about it. It was so Roman, it was referred to as mini-Rome. The Caesar at that time filled the city with military men who had retired. And so there's a great connection to Rome here. So Paul comes to this city, probably through the wilderness, sees this huge city, this walled city that you've seen up on the screen. And he goes in and he preaches the message that Jesus is king, that he's died for their sins. And persecution follows because nobody is king but Caesar to them. It was rejected. However, a group of believers rose up and people took the message in spite of the persecution, in spite of the difficulties of living in mini Rome with this message. They rose up and, and began a fellowship there. Now, why is this important to the church? Because years later, when Paul is in prison, he's miles and miles away. In fact, many believe he was in Rome itself, imprisoned. He writes to the Philippi, this colony of Rome, and he says some things that he some words that he doesn't use anywhere else in any of his letters. He uses this term called Polytuma. And I know that's Greek, but it's used first of all in Philippians 1.27. You'll see there it says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So he's miles away writing to this people and written in there is this word polytuma. It's a verb, conduct yourselves in the manner of. 
This word refers to a citizenship, that your citizenship, your belonging to this heavenly kingdom is related to your conduct and your conversation. The words are intermingled. They can't be separated. When you refer to this polytum as a citizenship, he's saying, this is what is part of your life. When people see you, this is what they should see, something different. And he's writing to these people that clearly know that this is a Roman colony planted in a barbarian land and it's different. They have a citizenship, they have a conduct, they have a behavior that's different than everybody else around them. So he uses this verb, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He uses it to point it out to the Philippians that they are to be different. Interestingly, he uses this, this word as a noun later on in the book. And it only underscores that he's touching this illustration that they are different. If you look in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, we'll start at verse 17. He says to the Philippians, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have, use us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as often as I have told you before, I now tell you again, even with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the noun usage of polytuma. And he's saying our citizenship, where we belong, is different than everything else around us. There may be enemies of the cross of Christ, but we are different. And it has to do with our mindset. When we begin to talk about conduct and conversation, it can begin to sound like legalistic talk, like we're requiring, like a Christian must talk this way or act this way or that. He's not talking about that. We have to hold it in context of what he's saying. It's the mindset that produces these things. It's the understanding that we are of a different kingdom and our king is much higher and greater than any king that the Romans could ever produce or any government of earth. And it's amazing that this is the center and core of the book of the Philippians. Paul begins to talk in there about the nature of what it is that is in the Christian's heart. He says to them in the first chapter, he says, I know, from prison he's writing, I know that it's better for me if I die. But, because then I get to be with God, but if I live, I can help you out in your faith. And because of that, I know I'll survive this. So he already has this mindset that his life is not about his own well-being. His life is about other people. And then it leads into this beautiful poem about Jesus Christ, about how he demonstrated this far better than anyone else could. And if you look in chapter two with me, of Philippians chapter two, verse four through 11, he says this, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. So this beautiful thing about Jesus, this characteristic of his humility, pulls us into the life of Christ. It makes us followers of him. And as we begin to put others first and we concentrate on the wonder of what Jesus did on earth, it begins to become a fruit of our life. It begins to affect our conversation, the way we speak, the way we conduct ourselves. And before long, as we focus in on the wonder of Jesus, we become citizens of another place. My kingdom is not of this earth, Jesus said. His kingdom is from above. And so the church is literally an outpost of heaven. Come down to earth. Not you as an individual alone. Because we often get individualistic. But he's talking to the church here. He's talking to the church to be a light in the generations. And right after this bit that Paul speaks about, he starts elevating the church even more. He says, you are a light in a wicked and cro crooked generation. You shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. He's saying you're different. There may be darkness outside, but within the walls of this city, there is a different citizenship. There's a different rule of life. There's a different king. And that king is Jesus. And as we focus, meditate, spend time with him in his word, we become beautiful examples of that kingdom. So along with this characteristic of being humble and putting the interests of other people above ourselves, there's some other qualities in here too that mark our citizenship, this polytuma. And the book is sprinkled with gratefulness and rejoicing that these are things to be part of our relationship with God. We are supposed to be thankful. Paul even thanks him is thankful to God that the gospel is being preached, even though it's being preached by some with ulterior motives or less than perfect motives. He's thankful that the gospel is going out. He's finding the good. He's looking for the good. He's not looking for error. He's not looking for wrong. It's there, but he's even grateful for the good that you have to clear away to see. Other places, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He says to them, I rejoice in you, and I, I, my heart is filled with affection for you. He's grateful. This is a mark of the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The last bit I want to point out today is Paul says something amazing in chapter 3 that is part of the citizenship. Last week, Pastor Jonathan shared a lot about how we're all from different cultures, and we make up one church. I was brought up in America. People in England are brought up differently. They have different games they play. They have different expressions. They have different mannerisms. We don't drink as much tea. Um, we drink far more coffee there. But there's a lot of different mannerisms that are different, and the ways we live are different. Subtle some of them are. Wherever we're from, we have different things that we bring 
from our cultures that are beautiful things. But Paul in here says there's something even better than our earthly citizenship, better than our earthly identity, better than the status or position we have in society because of who and where we were brought up. He says there's something far better. And if we have this mindset, it will not only be a liberating force to make us greater citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but it will also be the antidote for the divisiveness and hatred in our society today and all the difficulties we face. Listen to this. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, For we are the circumcision, he, he's a Jewish, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, just like Jewish law. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, Whatever gain he had by his position, by his identity as a Jewish person, as one who is superior to all the other races, everything that he had, this is what he says. He compares it to. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And it's another beautiful passage in here where the citizenship of heaven is extolled to being higher than any earthly privilege, anything I could hold on to with my culture, my identity, anything that I think is better than someone else or, or what in the comparison of cultures. I consider it all rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through Christ Jesus. So I say today, as you think about Philippi, you think about this city that was in the barbarian land, if we begin to have the mindset of Paul and what is found in the book of Philippians, we can begin to become citizens of another place, demonstrating it in our conduct, in our conversation, I have two people quickly I want to tell you about. There's a man named William Seymour who around the turn of the century wanted to go to Bible school. He was a black man and he wasn't allowed to sit in the classrooms. But the, the teacher in this Bible school saw his heart for God and said, you can sit outside in the hallway. And he humbled himself. What a terrible injustice to be placed outside in the hallway when all the other white students are inside the classroom. But he wanted God. He put knowing God above all things. It was a desire of his heart. Like Paul, I consider everything else rubbish that I may gain Christ. This man later received a, an appointment in a black church in California. And after a couple days, he was removed from his position. But he continued to pray and seek the face of God. 
Some people rented a warehouse. He started preaching there, and the Spirit of God fell. And it was called the Azusa Street Revival, one of the greatest moves of God we've seen in, in ages. One of the amazing things that came out of this revival was, one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was healing. Wonderful things happened. But it was the first time in the history of America that blacks and whites came together in a church. This man who humbled himself, who laid down everything about who he was, helped break forth the church into a diverse body. We are beneficiaries of his humility today because it helped the churches come together. And instead of seeing ourselves apart, it brought us as one. There's another person I want to tell you about, Lydia, Lydia Prince. She was a lady of high standing in Dutch society. And she received Christ, and she was very much humbled. Her fellow teachers at, at, at school wouldn't even be seen walking across the quad with her. She wasn't popular anymore. She wasn't well-regarded anymore. And she had a call to go to Jerusalem, to leave everything she knew behind. And she walked this humble road into a city. She had no idea what she was supposed to do. But God had made it clear. One day, somebody brought a baby to her out of the blue. Little did she know that that one child, that one Jewish child she took in, would open the doors for a whole orphanage of children, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, completely unheard of in her time. She faced a lot of backlash. People said, you can't do this. This is not acceptable. You can't. And she said, did you rescue these children from the, from the pit? Did you feed them and clothe them? They just come to me. And her seeking of God brought women from all different faiths into the power of the Holy Spirit, into the life of Christ. People would come throughout Jerusalem because of this woman who had the power of God. And she would just pray and read the Bible with these kids in the orphanage. She had no plan. And then her life was so in touch with what God was doing that in the British army at that time, word got out, if you want power, go visit this woman in Jerusalem. And that's where Derek Prince got, got, got the Holy Spirit. That's where his life really radically got changed. Her humble little life helped affect tremendous things in, 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 a, in a broader scope. One humble life. Somebody who walked away from the prestige of her society to minister to children who were discarded. God raises up beautiful things from the ashes. These two are citizens of heaven. And they're a picture of what we are to be today as we focus on Christ. Our citizenship will be seen to the world around us. We need this today. It is the antidote for our society that we place our allegiance to Jesus, to his kingdom above everything else. That's what really matters. God bless you and amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.